Welcome to the Pain Education Podcast. My name is Alex Corey, and as always, I'm joined by Bill Paravano. This podcast is brought to you by the Camella Foundation. Our mission at the Camella Foundation is to relieve pain naturally using osteopathic healing principles. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time Live with your questions where we'll be going into detail on how the underlying patterns in your neurology are affecting pain and tension in your physical body. Welcome back, everyone. How are you doing today, Bill? Good. Alex, hi. Hi. It is gorgeous outside. I'm going to have have a trouble sitting inside for an hour, but that might help uh, our topic today. <clears throat> so sure. for everyone out there, we're going to have a little more structure today. So we'll be taking Q&A at the end, uh, answering all the questions about today's topic, which is scoliosis, which came up last week just by happenstance, and I happen to have it. So <clears throat> this will be personally relevant and informative, and I'm planning on getting a ton out of this. Just say no, Bill. Cool. <laughs> What's going on in your world? Oh, gosh. What isn't going on? It's been actually since January 1st, it's like we got shot out of a cannon over here. Uh, let's see. I made notes, so I would cover uh, everything or at least most of it. Uh, we're I'm teaching the uh, physical reset circles on uh, at Mandala Springs on Tuesday evenings. So in a few hours, we'll be over there. Uh, let's see. Friday mornings, we got the Previlo which there's all sorts of interesting stuff developing with the Provilo over there um, at Sovereignty Lab, which is kind of cool. Uh, Sistema, we had that seminar, uh, manuals seminar in Durham the other week. So we're teaching Sistema on Saturday mornings at Mandala Springs uh, in the conversation with Arseny Grebnov, who is one of the, um, we interviewed him on the Pain Education podcast a few years ago. And he's got some exciting news about promotion of the Provilo uh, throughout North America. So we're excited to be part of that conversation. Let's see. We're going to do um, with you and Ashley, we're going to be doing the Waterboy moving night. Waterboy this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited that's, for that. Yeah, the big thing as far as uh, the importance of water, but the quality of water. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested in that as well because everyone thinks – well, because come from a spring, it's it's clean. But it would be so nice if be, that was if it was as simple as that. Yeah. Let's see what else. And uh, <clears throat> we have the uh, in conversation with Roblin Festi of Mandala Springs and Mandala Chocolates about the Sistema Provilo Sweat Lodge Cold Plunge Wim Hof Week slash Weekend over um, by the National Forest, the Pisgah National Forest, north of Asheville, uh, getting pulling those together. So that's some events. That's going to be an awesome up. weekend. That's a full neurological reset and a ton of, ton of biohackers will enjoy that one or just people who want to feel what it's like to bring your body back to homeostasis very quickly. All those things. That's what they do well. Yep. And then... Um, we got Joe's, Joe Bass, the permaculture design. Yeah, we got a permaculture design course coming up in middle of spring. So we're, we just launched 
yesterday. I'll put uh, sign up links at the bottom, but permaculture for anyone who's wondering what that has to do with pain is one of the more natural methods to work with ecology to grow food and food for us so that you can be in direct control of your basically all of your anti-inflammatories. So that's what medicinal herbs do well. They mm -hmm. work with your body to either complement or bring you back to homeostasis quicker. And it just gives you your food and medicine at your fingertips. So he teaches, he will be teaching how to grow basically everything, how to become a carbon farmer, how to bring your, your food systems closer to you, which is, yeah. it, it's a lot of work, but the nice thing about permaculture is you, it's kind of a, uh, consistent progressive design and because you're not trying to force anything in the natural cycles uh, it just compounds year after year so you start doing it and it's a lot of upfront work but <clears throat> it builds very quickly but I've, I've worked a little bit with joe and there is a lot of strategy and methodology yeah. and it's more than just planting a garden every right. year it's like, how could I plant this plant that is strategically going to provide for myself, for my family, and work in conjunction with all the other plants on the land for generations to come? It, it's it's deep. Yeah, it encompasses, basically, you could go out and buy any niche book in growing, in mushroom cultivation, in medicinal herbs, and companion planting, in aquaponics, and hydroponics and it's basically all of them combined it's just how to use features to stack let nature do the work for you and stack time and functionality together yeah so it is all encompassing it's it's nice like that yep it's great okay. stuff i think we right. touched on everything um so we're mm -hmm. gonna go into today's topic which is scoliosis and then like i mentioned we'll do q a at the end so if that's something that you're personally or someone, most people, I think, and I'm coming to realize that it's way more common than I thought. I have it. So I have grade one mm -hmm. scoliosis. And just as a little bit of a background, I didn't know I did until early 20s when I went into the ER because I had pulled a couple of different muscles simultaneously around my chest and back. So I was having a um, hard enough time breathing where I thought I was having a heart attack. So I went into the emergency room <clears throat> they did some x-rays and they're like, no, you're fine. You're probably just stressed out and you have a lot of muscle pulls. Oh, by the way, you have grade one scoliosis. Mm -hmm. It was just a, oh, by the way, here are your x-rays. So that, that cleared up a lot of things. So could you, I don't know that much about it at all. So could you give me and us a quick download on on your knowledge of scoliosis. Sure. Uh, scoliosis is a compensation pattern that takes place in the spine as a result of the body compensating for something else. So uh, we were talking about this during our Previlo session this past Friday about that the, the body has a self-writing mechanism. The neurology has a self-writing mechanism. Um, life has a self-writing mechanism. Meaning like if you knock a plant over and it's in the windowsill, it, it will grow vertical. Like it, that's a natural response to how 
uh, plants grow. You see trees in the forest during a um, storm. Plants get or uh, trees will get blown over, and that tree left long enough will start growing vertical, vertically, or will start curving to grow vertical again. Well, our body has the same type of self-writing mechanism that our eyes have to be parallel with the horizon. Otherwise, we die. And what happens is in order to keep our, our eyes parallel with the horizon, our spine needs to adjust to keep our eyes parallel with the horizon. So it's a self-writing mechanism. We can't we can't sit crooked like this. Even if you see somebody, um, someone with severe scoliosis, they're still, or a hunchback, or someone who's really compromised physically, there will be this attempt to write themselves, to sit correctly, to to stay straight, and our body will do what it can to adjust to make sure our eyes are parallel with the horizon. Uh, scoliosis is just that. It is a, um, it is a self-writing mechanism of our neurology that will adjust to make sure our eyes are parallel with the horizon. And with scoliosis, there is always a primary and a secondary curve. And it's the primary curve is the comp is the, compensation and the secondary curve is the body writing itself to make sure the eyes are parallel with the horizon. Now, before we talk further and before you ask more questions, I want to qualify. You have um, you have a scoliosis that is um, anatomical and you have a scoliosis that is uh, developed by attention pattern. Mm. So meaning there's some scoliosis that will develop as a result of a malformation in a vertebrae. Does, it, does that make sense? So like if the vertebrae is right. supposed to be square and the vertebrae is kind of like a trapezoid, the body will have a primary and secondary curve that will develop out of the uh, malformation of the vertebrae so that would you'd be born with that correct yeah okay. that would be something and that is something that is can't be corrected by working with tension patterns you can help it along but it can't be uh, corrected just addressing it with tension patterns then you have scoliosis that develops as a result of um, compensation tension patterns. And we were talking about that the other day. One psoas gets tight on one side of the body than the other, or um, an emotional pattern that develops in a person's life, causing them to hold a certain way. The body will compensate with a tension pattern. Uh, I've heard uh, some of the upledger work, that's the craniosacral work, where uh, people will develop scoliosis as a result of getting braces. Mm. So there will be a tension pattern that will happen in the mouth, and then 
the cranium and the vertebrae need to adjust to that tension pattern that is created by the braces in order for the spine the spine will adjust to make sure the eyes are level with the uh, horizon that is that <clears throat> makes total sense when you say it but on thinking initially that just seems incredulous where you're like how could the mouth be tied into your spine but that makes total sense with the the comprehensive view of self-correcting mechanisms and and tension patterns but just on the face of it that seems so out of the ordinary but i suppose well, probably a lot of things in the body are like that and you just don't think about them like corrective mechanisms you you can't look at the body in isolation right. it just doesn't work that way and i think that's where you have <clears throat> blind spots in the conventional medical model is they're looking at the body in isolation they're saying i work with people with knee pain so the doctors are only looking at the knees and they're trying to gain the range of motion in the knee. They're trying to strengthen what's going on in the knee. But, and when they write a prescription for a drug or a physical therapy or something like that, they're only addressing the knee. They're not looking at how the hip and the lower back play a role in the mechanics of how the knee functions it and they're they're looking at it very linearly that the knee joint from a conventional medical model they're looking at the knee joint only extends and bends they aren't looking at the twisting the side to side movement the forward and back movement and apart and together as well as tilting those are all movements in the knee joint that are crucial for a person to get up and out of a car, they need to push and turn and twist at the same time. And you can go to physical therapy and you can make the left leg as strong as the right leg, which is how I got into all of this. It, they're, they're looking at it very linearly and they will repair what's broken or torn. They'll send you to physical therapy to make sure the left leg is strong as the right leg, or you have the flexibility or the range of motion if they can get it, and then they send you out the door. That's what they have to offer. What they don't have to offer is an understanding of the neurology that's involved in the knee functioning properly, in how the mind, the mindset affects what's going on in the knee. The emotions, the fear that the body holds as a result of an injury, an accident, a surgery, or a trauma affects how the knee operates. That is not something that the conventional medical model is equipped or is capable of having that conversation. And it's not, it. let me, let me make sure I'm clear, this is not bad on them. It's just understanding that they work in this box and if something is broken or torn, I want them in my corner. <laughs> right. I want them fixing what's going on. But once they fix what's going on, I don't want, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It, it just tends to be a one problem, one fix. A very, <clears throat> very linear, like you said. Sure. So going back to what other, are there any other things that you've heard of like the sacral cranial connection that 
I might not have heard about or might just not be in the, the common knowledge base that might lead into compensation patterns like that. Like if someone had this, maybe watch out for how you sit or are there any common ones like braces yeah. or anything like that? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, good. No, I, I mean, I, I went, my first seminar or the first seminar that I worked with or saw an instructor work with someone with scoliosis. Now this person had scoliosis as a teenager. They went in for the, um, had the rods put in their mm -hmm. back. So what they'll do is they, um, the doctors will peel back, uh, chip away at the bones along either side of the spine. And they will put these rods to straighten out the back, which is straighten out the primary and secondary curve. So the person's eyes are level with the horizon. And then they do like this lattice work of the bone fragments. So the, the rods heal in the back and it holds in the back. Um, and the person will be straight, but it looks like, I mean, it, it's very difficult breathing. They're still yeah. uncomfortable many times. Um, and it's not on the surface level, they're fixing what is going on. What's not being addressed is the underlying neurological pattern that developed the scoliosis to begin with. And maybe 10, 20, 50 years ago, that's like, you know, that's good. But the knowledge that we have and the understanding of the body that we have right now, that's like pathetic in terms of that's all the, the medical model has to bring to the table. That there's got to be a, a deeper understanding of the neurology mm. and how to release those tension patterns. And the releasing of the tension patterns come in the intrinsic movement of the spine. The body will hold, um, there, there's in, the intrinsic movement and then there's gross motor movement. And the example I use with the knee is the knee extends and it bends. Yep. That's the gross motor movement of the knee. The intrinsic movement is the slight twisting side to side, forward mm -hmm. and back, apart and together and tilting. With the spine, there is basic gross motor movements. I could bend forward and touch my toes. I can arch backwards. I can tilt mm -hmm. to the right and I can tilt to the left. But watch a belly dancer move. Yeah. How a belly dancer move moves is in that intrinsic movement of the spinal column. And where the tension gets stuck in the neurology in, in a, a symp the sympathetic fight or flight state, parasympathetic is a rest and relaxed state. When the body is in a fight or flight state, the neurology gets stuck. So we could just move like forward and back and side to side, maybe a little bit of twisting. The body moves like a tube then. It doesn't have that ability to articulate and move um, like a mime would. <laughs> you know, that that subtle nuanced movement in the physiology and the spine is required in order to do that. Simple so, flexion and extension almost just defaults back to that. Right. 
So if we look at putting a, a brace on it, we're limiting that movement to the gross motor movement. We're not understanding the neurology deep enough to support it to be able to heal and heal in a way where it continues to be functional, where we can operate as we get older, operate comfortably, operate um, where, where we feel like we're leading a rich, fulfilling life. Right. I just had the, uh, the analogy pop into my brain when you said the cast analogy of, of shoes to the foot. So if someone goes from wearing like normal sneakers with massive honking two inches, like what I did for the first time, and then you go to barefoot, like your muscles are sore for days mm -hmm. because of all that just nuanced movement that you've been neglecting or forgetting about that it's capable of doing. Yeah. And you see that with the, um, the zero, zero yeah. drop. What, yeah, is that's that what, what, I, that's what I was referring to. That's it's gaining traction because it is so different. Yeah. Just no difference in the heel and the, and the toe. So just <clears throat> as little support as possible, or if you need support, at least have it be level. So you're not in a, <clears throat> in an arched state. Yep. Yeah. And, and you see that with, um, the earthing, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh what it, what is it? uh ground grounding it yeah. and that gets more into electromagnetic right. connection with the earth but there's still that walking barefoot <laughs> or having that articulation in the feet in a way where it allows for the body to be have that um nuance in the movement right i have a question going back to uh not necessarily diagnosing, but more so symptomology. Like I only figured that out because someone who took a random x-ray told me, how would you mm -hmm. know if you didn't get a random x-ray for some other reason? Like, are there things that show up that are characteristic of maybe grade one, which I have, and I, I'm supposing that's just a minor curvature. Are there, do you know the different grades or tiers at all? I'm not exactly familiar with that. They, yeah, I'm assuming it's just the level of curvature. Sure. Uh, I'd imagine that'd be the case as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think what happens is many people don't know themselves. Many people are disconnected with themselves. And the more we explore our own movement, the more we mm. explore our breathing, uh, do different types of training, strength training. We're doing Previlo and Sistema and the physical reset circle where we're looking for that. How can the neurology change? there's an awareness that it's like we're pushing the edges of our awareness in our neurology, in our body. How does our body feel? And there is a sense where we can detect this ourselves through our increased awareness. And I think there's a push with where you see a lot of fear in society across the board, where you see a lot of tension being built in the types of exercises people get involved in, mm -hmm. um, uh, certain types of strength training, uh, power lifting, yeah. uh, CrossFit, it, it's like a lot of compression. bigger, better, bigger, better, faster, more. And there's an ignoring of or pushing down of the awareness in order to push through, which there's a time and a place for it. But if you are doing it at the cost of, 
uh, how you want. I guess it's basically long-term mobility, right? Yeah. So, and I noticed that especially whenever I'm I did it yesterday, and I I always get slapped down every three months because I I never put my lower back recurring pain. So I have recurring low back pain if I don't warm up properly or do enough mm -hmm. core work. So if I'm not strengthening, if I'm not getting full sensibility, full mobility, if I'm not <clears throat> really consistent with all of that sort of functional and longevity and mobility, I will do a traditional strength and conditioning session or even farm work and just not stretch properly. And there will be a lot of low back compression. And I'm assuming because I have, um, we have scoliosis grade one, even because there's a little curvature, I need to be hyper vigilant about compression and just loading my lower back without proper, proper warm up. So that's what I did yesterday. I just didn't do a proper warm up, and doesn't take much to tweak it. And then I'm reminded that, um, I might not have as big of a buffer as, as someone who had a different spine, but, um, I'm wondering if. A lot of people may have lower back pain and just think they have lower back pain and not think anything else of it other than maybe I'm using too heavy a weight. Like in that parasympathetic state, is there specific things that would show up that you've heard of or that you know where, like what would lead you to be like, maybe my lower spine is curved. I don't know what I would feel other than getting that like a true diagnostic that that would show up. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, true diagnostic right. is going to be infinitely valuable, but you're going to see ranges of motion. Like mm -hmm. it's easier to tilt to one side than the other. Oh, it's easier to, you know, you're going to have a restriction in a certain way. You see that on the Pervilo, you'll see sometimes oh, yeah. it's like one side is shorter than the other. Uh, you, you'll see the ability, the, the Pervilo is extremely revealing. Yeah. When, when I first got on the machine, uh, there was a huge restriction in my right shoulder that I didn't even know I had. I knew I had, um, there was a tendency for uh, muscle spasms and things like that to happen on my right side, but I didn't connect the dots that it was... Um, that it was because of a shoulder being pulled out of the socket when I was young and the, the Pervilo in the twisting motion and that constant stretch be um, there the entire time. It was extremely revealing to me that, Oh geez, the shoulder is playing a huge role in the bigger picture of what's going on in my body. Yeah. And as you said that, it just took you saying that to trigger the exact same but opposite uh, remembering in myself. So if it's always my left side that spasms. So if I'm overdoing anything where my nervous system is overdone, if I do too much caffeine, if I'm biking for too long, if I basically just taxing my nervous system and staying in a sympathetic state, there's a specific left quad that will start spasming. My left eyelid eyelids specifically will start spasming and the shoulder. There are three specific points where if I feel any one of them spasm, I know that I'm at like 95% and I need to 
take a couple days and just do some recovery basically. But it's so, it's always my left side. It's very strange. And I'm glad you said that. And, And you can track this. You can track this through your body and you, you could have whatever exercise you do, whatever sport you get involved in, this pattern will pop. This pattern will show up and I can go back to the shoulder that was pulled out when I was young, the collarbone that was broke when I uh, fell out of bed when I was four, the knee injury I had when I was in high school, the ankle injury I had when I was in grade school, you know, it all follows the same uh, rut rut in the old dirt road that will point to what's going to go. And it's, it's up to me to do the, um, the prehab rehab working with my neurology to make sure it gets into a place that um, I feel good the majority of the time. And with decreased awareness, what happens is people push through their limits, right? which, which leads them to an injury that takes them three, four five times longer to heal than if they would have um, done the maintenance on their body. Right. So from a strength and conditioning point of view, like my personal training uh, brain and all that conditioning and, and book hammering in my brain just popped up and they're like, Oh, just strengthen the other side and just strengthen the imbalance. So I'm, that's what one type of mindset is around that is, Oh, if you notice that this side is weak, you're either overextending it or it's too weak. And mm-hmm. the, there's a difference between, um, cramps, which mm-hmm. are a lot like spasms. So a lot of the, um, literature or just people in the performance world will know cramps well, but usually there's a spasm that's a precursor to a cramp. And that's actually usually either an electrolyte imbalance, which is ticking your nervous system. So you're actually just running Mm -hmm. short on resources to make the contraction happen. But Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that a spasm from this point of view is looked at completely differently. So how, how would you balance those things out? So how do you tell if you're getting a spasm because of a compensation rather than you're lacking a raw input, like an electrolyte or something like that? Uh, Well, I would ask like, what's your mental state? Hmm. Like a big thing is ask how a person feels people with knee pain. They'll be like, well, before you did the exercise, before you went to the gym, before you played softball, basketball, ran, whatever, what were you thinking about? And they're like, well, I was going to test it to see how it would go. (laughs) I was worried about it and I wanted to see how it would uphold. Gotcha. You're already, you're already in the hole. (laughs) You're already setting yourself up for failure. Because there's an inherent fear in that feeling. There's an inherent fear going into the exercise that you're blowing by. It's like a red flag in a relationship. Oh, well, I knew she was uh, or he was a whatever. And you went right by it. And then it blew the, the situation blew out sideways. And then you're going, well, I didn't see that one coming. But, but if you take 
a little bit of time beforehand and start looking at these situations, you're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Right. Of course. That made sense. That's the question that I'm asking because I have a perfect example. There was this uh, client out of uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Her name was Portia. And Portia had uh, facing uh, bone. She was bone on bone, facing a knee replacement surgery. And she started working with my program. And uh, she increased range of motion. She increased strength in her legs. It started feeling better and better and better. And the questions that she asked started changing. Mm. Whether or not she can exercise or walk or do whatever she wanted to do started to change because the fear was dissipated in her neurology. She didn't have the concern about what she was doing. And the the ultimately the story was her husband was underneath something down in the basement trying to fix something and needed a wrench. And it was like, Portia, or get, go upstairs and give me a wrench. I need this. I'm underneath this trying to hold this up. So she runs up to the top of the steps. And then she stops at the top of the steps and turns around and goes, Danny, Danny, did you see what I just did? I went up the steps. I ran up the steps. Because there wasn't that fear of hmm. her knee going to hurt. And that's the piece that people are missing is that they're they're looking at it from a logical and a rational perspective on whether they should exercise or not exercise based on do I need to strengthen this or do I need to stretch this but when your body is comfortable you don't need to think about strengthening something that's weak you just need to exercise from a place that's comfortable mm. And what's happening is people already have this compensation pattern going in their body and they're trying to strengthen what's weak, which is actually just reinforcing a dysfunctional tension pattern that's going on in their body that's causing their body to compensate to begin with. Mm. So it just, it, it's like the arms race. It just ups right. the ante until something breaks. Yep. And what I heard in there was what we addressed on one of our episodes a couple of weeks ago, which was awareness is the key. So <clears throat> with your initial, how are you feeling before you go into anything? And if you're aware that you have those creeping fears, then right, the solution, you already know the solution if you're scanning or, or just aware of your where you are in the given moment. And I have that too, <clears throat> for sure. Like I will, I still have that bigger, faster, stronger, uh, mentality quite often until, uh, enough times, I suppose, where my lower back will be tweaking and I'll be like, yep, I probably, I knew exactly what did that. And I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I didn't listen. So there's the, the afterwards awareness, maybe next time it'll, I'll catch it beforehand. Um, mm -hmm. So what are the common tension patterns? Well, it's probably hard to think of them on the spot or, or maybe there's only a couple that would people would develop repetitively over the course of time that would lead to scoliosis. So sitting or what are the ones that are, are more common in today? Slouching, one-sided, anything? Well, yeah. Sitting to one side or the other, uh, it ends up creating a 
a leg length difference, mm. which is not an anatomical leg length difference. This gets into what we were talking about as far as like one of the one of the vertebrae in the spine being shaped like a trapezoid instead of a square. It would be uh, an anatomical leg length difference, meaning that one femur is physically longer than the other. Um, or one of the, the, the tibia, the bone in the lower leg, physically longer than the other one. Uh, as opposed to an anatomical, or I'm sorry, a, a, a tension pattern that is causing a leg length difference, meaning uh, the bones aren't lined up in a way that allows one leg to be as stronger, as uh, straight as the other. Or a rotation in one of the hip bones that will cause a leg length difference. And then that causes a compensation pattern, how the person tends to sit, mm. how they tend to stand, how they tend to move, and the body is compensating for that. So that that is probably one of the more uh, easier ones to, to point to. Um, you know, the other ones are like a, a rotation in the, um, the cranium the bones in the head, uh, the jaw being kind of a little tweaked because of uh, braces or something like that. You can have a scoliosis develop as a, as a result of a head injury. You know, it, it affects, you get into a car accident or you slip and fall on the ice and smack your head or you get hit in the head with a baseball or whatever that is, the body can, comp can compensate. I'm not saying it will, I'm saying it can compensate in a way that can develop in um, scoliosis. So if you develop it <clears throat> from a tension pattern to the point where it's categorized as scoliosis, can you, can you heal that if it's not anatomical? Uh, well, I wouldn't say heal. Right. Uh, because that gets into legal terminology okay yes um, can you i would i would start put to the onus, it i would put the onus on the body the body can heal itself right. can we understand the pattern in a way where the, you give the body the opportunity to unwind the pattern that uh, with the um the energy of that injury can we uh, give it an opportunity to unwind and let go so the spine can straighten itself out, I'd say absolutely yes. But when we get into uh, defining it as being like, can we heal it? Can we fix it? Can we, right. you know, when, when it's someone else doing it to the body, then that is a misunderstanding of where the source of the power comes from, the power to heal comes from. Right. I should have you rephrased as, are there practices or modalities that someone who is afflicted can use to allow their, their body to slowly unwind it? Would have been a better yeah. way to phrase that. Yes, totally. And, uh, you know, that to Alex, when we look at terminology like this, mm. we're doing that to reframe the mentality of a person being disempowered, going to someone with letters after their name, mm -hmm. thinking that person with letters after their name has to fix them 
and what's going on with them. That if I'm have a knowledge or understanding of my own body and I need help from someone that has more experience than me in a certain area, I could use their knowledge and experience in moving me along a continuum. So I feel more, um, uh, whole as a person. (laughs) And I think that that part of the reframe and we have to use our terminology or we have to choose our words in a way that continues to empower the people that are listening to this podcast in a way where it moves them along the continuum. So well said. that's why, that's why I, you know, and I don't do it as like, ah, you're better wrong. Oh no, I got you. It. Well, and that is, is definitely a different lens of looking through it and it is infinitely more empowering. Sure. Uh, other and, than and postural where, work. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And that's where it's like, um, I, I see a lot of, practitioners Mm -hmm. as limiting their ability to help their clients by only looking on a surface level (laughs) or the Western medical model, only looking on a surface level. But you see more and more shining through in terms of looking deeper. So, yeah, because there's, I think a lot more people in pain or a lot more, sessions that leave lingering questions or problems unanswered. I think it the current model just doesn't address the issue deep enough or at all to the point where people are satisfied. So there's more light shining through because the solutions aren't big enough, I think, for quite a few people. So they tend to uh, explore options that they might not have 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I just had a client, uh, we had her second session yesterday, knee pain, really bad. Uh, the doctors are having conversations about knee replacement surgery with her. She'd been going to a massage therapist and a chiropractor for a year. And in two sessions, she got more range of motion. I got a text from her last night that she was able to get out of the tub by herself. And it'd be the first time in several months two to three wow. months that she's been able to get out of the tub by herself. And, and it's not super complicated what we're doing. We're just looking at the body differently through a different lens. And it offers for an infinite amount of solutions. And I think when you have um, people that are looking at the body as either black or white, either we mm. need to have surgery or we're going to give you drugs until you can't take pain enough to have surgery. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Like, seriously, is that that's it, the burn best it, you it. got? <clears throat> you know, if that's the best you got, get out like that. You have no business. If that is the limit of your ability to help your clients or patients or whoever that is, you got to up your game and that's antiquated thinking and, it's just, it, it's unsatisfactory. And I'd encourage people who are listening to this to hold their, their practitioners or their um, medical professionals to a higher standard. I think we tolerate and we play in society to a, um, the lowest common denominator. 
and we accept it and think it's like, well, that's all we got. I'll just, I'll just pick a, a bad option or a worse option. Hmm. And if that's case, you're better off walking away and taking the time to find someone else. So that, that's my, those, there are some pretty my, incredible stories. That's my home. The story opinion. How about doing their own research and, or just learning their body on a deeper level and having, like you said, just being able to get out of the tub. Like these, you don't need to have profound transformations, but if you can't get out of the, the tub without pain and then you can, that's pretty profound. Like if you get mm -hmm. mobility and just your ability to function on a day, functional movement is probably like what everyone thinks of that they do not want to lose growing older. That's what you think of as growing older is losing your functional movement patterns and the ability to go about your day to day with enjoyment and in no pain. So that seems like a good goal to go for just pain free most of your day with, with the ability to do everything that, that I can now, or that you can now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's this mentality in society. It's like, well, that's, they accept it as that's just what happens when they get older. And if they go to um, someone who's going to help them in the conventional medical model or a, some sort of expert, they're looking, they're looking at that inability to get out of the tub yeah. as their, the, the leg muscles are weak. So it goes back to that arms race conversation. They're going to strengthen an already dysfunctional tension pattern, making the tension pattern more difficult to get out of the tub. Right. Because it's just strengthening the pattern that doesn't work. We need to relax what's tight. We need to increase mobility and change the neurology by dissipating the stress tension, injury, accidents, surgeries, traumas that have built up throughout the person's life. Right. Um, I'm going to try to get a step-by-step -step here and then just in closing for the uh, scoliosis talk. And then I thought we'd move on to some comments because we have a good number mm -hmm. and we're at about the right time. So <clears throat> uh, could you give... Uh, Go ahead. I have a, a DVD that I recorded, not me, oh. but one of my mentors recorded. Oh gosh, we're coming up on 20 years. It's called Postural Reeducation and Post Techniques. Um, and we can put that in the show notes sure. for people to order that DVD um, to help with. In one of the things that uh, my mentor, her name is Terry Lee, um, orthobionomy instructor, advanced orthobionomy instructor. And she goes into the details on how to have simple exercises that are reverse uh, scoliosis patterns in, in the spine. That's what I was going to ask for. Yep. So cool. I was going to ask if they are, or if step one is exercises or if step one is awareness and then getting back into a parasympathetic state and then exercises possibly. But in your mind, what would be the 
pre-exercise or do you just do them? Like I do my postural exercises every day in the morning because I do have like some pretty interesting uh, muscle imbalances and movement compensations that I'm well aware of. So I, I do Mm -hmm. something just so my posture is less um, outrageous throughout the day to try to set Mm -hmm. myself up for success. But in your mind, what would be the one, two, three, four, before you start hammering away on exercises. I I think a lot of the movement, um, the movement thing is a craze. I think of not craze, craze isn't the right term, but there there's movement as a way of building strength and flexibility in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking of, um, uh, Ido Partal, is a guy oh yeah uh, MMA trainer with movement he does he does some really cool movement things there is um oh gosh uh gymnastics bodies Mm -hmm. and there's there's another program uh jaro jaro i believe his name i uh, interviewed him earlier in the pain education podcast um Oh gosh, I feel bad. I'm not remembering his okay, program name. The library. We could, yeah, we could put that in there. But they have some really great mobility stuff. That um, I think mobility is way more valuable. Um, of course, I'm I'm partial to Sistema, the Russian martial art, in terms of that. But then that gets into a little bit more um, pushing your fear. Because yeah. you're talking about getting struck and punching and it's a healing art. more people <clears throat> would, it tends to be that you don't take mobility seriously until you lose it. And if you're mm-hmm. in the strength conditioning or performance or athletic world, usually that happens somewhere in your 20s where you don't even think about mobility or you just kind of like brush it off when your strength and conditioning coats makes you do mobility and warm up, And you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's just mm-hmm. part of it. Necessary evil. And then you get hurt and then you lose your mobility mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, maybe I should make this more of a foundation. So usually it's mm-hmm. someone had lower back pain or a knee injury or ankle or one of the big joints, you know, restricted your ability to function on a daily basis. And then you understand why mobility and extensibility and functional movement is at the base of the the pyramid. And then you build strength and performance on top of it when everything is working. But yeah, I think mobility and extensibility are the things. uh, You know who else does some really great stuff is Kelly Starrett's. I don't know. Uh, uh, Ke- Kelly's a guy. Uh, oh yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like, that was a both name. Northern, Northern California. I think he's in the Bay Area. Kelly Starrett's, and he okay. does. Um, I think he's a physical therapist, and he does a lot of uh, prehab kind of work, mm-hmm. um, working foam rollers, yeah. stretching, range of motion. Uh, Graston is the name that comes to mind, but active movement with like a tennis ball or something in an area and he's going through different parts of the body. So I'm, I've seen some of his work and I, I have a high regard 
for what he's bringing to the table as well. Yeah, I tennis ball and lacrosse really, balls, invaluable tools for yep. discovering yep. your your tension patterns. Man, my legs hurt. If I put even the smallest amount of tension on a, a lacrosse ball on the ground, it is right humbling how yeah. how little extensibility I have in my lower body. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, and what I'm talking about bringing to the table is a changing of the neurology yeah. to relax the pattern. So then the lacrosse ball, the tennis ball, the foam right. roller can be more effective. So you're uh, making a distinction between uh, a direct approach and an indirect approach yeah. in your um, getting the mobility and uh, flexibility in the body. Right. Awesome. Um, anything else you want to touch on scoliosis or do you want to dive into the questions that we received about it? One more thing. Yeah, I mm -hmm. was, I started, we started this conversation oh, talking sorry. about, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, just squirrel, you know, often uh, different topics. The, there was a woman in the first class I went to that, uh, I mean, you could tell just the tension she had in her body. And by the uh, by the end of the weekend in that um, uh, posture re-education re and post-techniques class that I was part of, her mobility in her back was limited by the rods. Mm. Think about that. She had the rods put in her back to straighten out the scoliosis. And she released so much as far as tension patterns that you can visually see she would stop when her body got to the rods. So, and at that point when, you know, they'd been in her back for decades, they don't come back out. Like yeah. it's once you have that surgery, that's permanent. Yeah. My mother knew a uh, client in New Hampshire and this poor woman had so many, so much metal and just so many rods in her back. And none of it seemed to really improve the quality of her life. And part of that, I'm sure, was just because that surgery is so, it's probably just so technical. I know nothing about it, but she would have to have a surgery to go in and correct something from her previous surgery. I think she was up at like 10 by the time she, yeah. <clears throat> she, um, she left us, but it was... It, it none of that sounded fun or like she was getting any quality of life back. It just sounded miserable having rods yeah. and things in your lower back. Anything with a back, I'm, I just yeah. cringe if you have to put something in it because, like you said, you don't. Nothing ever quite works the way. Nothing seems to quite work the way you would hope it would after a surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunate, but if it lets people have some quality of life. That's why it's there. We'll start with the uh, oh, questions question. if you're ready. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. That was at the beginning. And that do was we want to play? Did you have a, did you, do we want to play uh, your um, promo for your, for your oh, stuff? Oh no, I haven't uploaded it yet. We can just jump into okay. questions. Okay, great. Uh, very bad. Knee pain walking at rest, going for an x-ray tomorrow. Can you suggest any suggestions for the pain? Uh, Arnica, I find really valuable for pain in general, uh, finding out if something's broken or torn. That's that's really the next step. Whenever you have an injury, accident, something, you know, and, and Audrey is 
there's a lot that's being left out with the question here. Right. Was it, an, do we already know if something's broken or torn in the knee? Has this been going on in, for a while? Did it come on suddenly? Did it come on after an accident? You know, we got to dig deeper into understanding what, how you got here. Now we just can't take it as a snapshot. We got to go and play it out a little bit more and understand to figure out the best mm -hmm. strategy. And of course, if she'd like to, there's the, uh, the kneepanguru.com website, set up a time we could chat about. Yeah. That. I'll mention that just on the podcast, both Bill and I have um, free 15 minute discovery calls where we can see if, if we have potential solutions at all for you, or if you'd like to work with either one of us, Bill obviously does everything that we've been mentioning here. And then I do um, nutrition, hydration, fitness and lifestyle kind of the other end of the, the spectrum where things you could potentially get your body into trouble, but also around knowing, getting to know your body and your metabolism more. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, Alex and I function very much the same capacity. Yes. It's about really outlining, like maybe it isn't best you work with us. Maybe right. you need to work with a, a nutritionist. Maybe you need to work with the doctor. Maybe you need to have your surgery first before we can really have a, mm -hmm. a good conversation. So it's really about figuring out where you're at, getting present to where you're at. So you have a strategy moving forward and we may or may not be in that future. <laughs> it, yes. it all depends. Uh, Christina asked, if scoliosis could also be acquired at the beginning. So that was regarding the uh, acquired tension pattern that we answered. Sure. And yeah, then... that, that definitely a yes. An accident, an injury, a surgery, a trauma can develop. Yes. In that. Uh, Trust more asked if there, this is probably when you're mentioning the cranial sacral connection, if the hip is misaligned from the base of the skull, if, the, if people tend to miss that. Uh, sure. I mean, there's a lot of connections the body has. Um, there's quite a distance between the hip and the base of the skull where lots of things can happen. So, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We can't rule it out. With, with this question or that statement, if you'd like to address that. Nerve. Let me see here. Let me scroll up. Nerve control muscle. Nerves control muscle, muscle control bone, reboot the nervous system and the bones and everything else start to come back into balance and alignment. It can. It can. Like, and what, um, what can happen, though, is just because, for instance, let's take a computer because it sounds like the mentality of trust more is coming from uh, an understanding of a computer. Let's say I got a virus on my computer. Let's say there's something fundamentally wrong with my hard drive on my computer. Sure, I can shut the computer off and I could turn the computer back on. Odds are the virus is still going to be there. Odds are the hard drive is still going to be failing or have issues with it. Um, just resetting the neurology doesn't mean the pattern goes away. Just because you reset the neurology doesn't mean the trauma that the body experienced to get the pattern that's going on in the body is going to go away. 
that's an over, oversimplification of looking at complexity of the body. If you just reset the nervous system and you send your client home without giving them any homework to understand or to pay attention to or to be aware of what's going on in their body, you're doing your client a disservice. You got to up your game. And there's a lot of things you can do. You can put your fingers at the base of a person's skull and you can hold it there long enough and it'll reset the neurology. That doesn't mean the client has, a level, has increased their level of awareness. They just got their neurology reset. So it, it's, it's just, it's a short-sighted and it is um, just not looking deep enough. You could do can that. you explain what you just said? Because now I, that piqued my interest. Hold your well, fingers at the bottom of the, the skull. Well, on yeah, it. I mean, you you have a, it's called your vagus nerve. Right. Your vagus nerve comes out of your brain stem and goes down your spinal column and goes into your stomach. And when that nerve is excited, that's what will cause you to um, vomit when you're you know, you had a car accident or something. Um, you, you, the body goes into shock and the vagus nerve is looking to keep you alive. It's looking to regulate your neurology and it's in a sympathetic state. Hmm. So it goes into that fight or flight state and it will empty the contents of your stomach or it'll let your bladder loose or your colon loose to make sure you have the basic functions operating to live. And there are ways of holding and supporting the vagus nerve in a way where it will relax and it'll reset. However, there's a bigger conversation that needs to be had in the physical body as to where the person is feeling the discomfort. If there's a neurological pattern going on in the psoas or in the hip or in the knee or in the big, in the big toe, you can reset the tension in the vagus nerve, but it doesn't mean that the toe is going to get it. It doesn't necessarily mean that the knee will get it or the hip will get it. It just means that you reset the vagus nerve. Thanks for that. There's a lot of attention on the vagus nerve now. I don't know what changed, but it's, I, I probably missed something big because I wasn't paying attention to, uh, <clears throat> to my usual podcasts and, and daily dose of literature. But about three months ago, might've been just before the new year, I started hearing lots about the vagus nerve just out of nowhere. And I don't know if something was discovered or if it was kind of the next in line after people discovered cold plunge and Wim Hof and sauna, all of the different, um, the different modalities for activating your body's stress response to create that hormetic response. Do you, do you sure. know why vagus nerve is so, so in conversation it's the, now? It's the main nerve. It's the main one. Okay. I feel, I feel like that should have been older. I'm surprised it just now hit the, the mainstream conversation, I guess well, I should have said. Yeah. I mean, maybe Provilo shouldn't have been in a mainstream Rastra. conversation <laughs> three years ago. Sure. You know, I mean, 
you you look at a lot of these things and it's interesting. I think there's a bell-shaped curve of awareness that is moving along in society right now. And and it's it's always interesting to me, fascinating to me, uh, of when things catch on and in what timing and in what order. It could be because of Joe Rogan doing a podcast and now the the awareness is there or um, someone – Elon Musk tweeting something on Twitter that brings it into everybody's awareness. So it's difficult to say what order things come in. True. Um, And lastly, we have more of a statement, but a a rehash of a statement that says, don't accept pain or non-functional movement. If we could understand there is help and tools for each, just become aware of what you can do and then do them. Mobility can happen again, which is refreshing. Mm -hmm. Basically, the last half of what we spoke about is there's <clears throat> power and awareness and always personal mm-hmm. empowerment. Totally. Anything okay. else of, of uh, regarding scoliosis or anything you'd like to, to leave with everyone? We came up on about perfect no. time. I think we're good for today. We talked about a bunch of stuff. I wanna, I wanna, I'm looking at the, uh, the document. To make do sure you we... uh, do you remember any super simple exercises from that DVD? I I can give people a couple for the big postural stuff, but uh, do you have like two or it, three that you just throw out there for for easy postural exercises? No, because it it really ta- it's a different way of approaching. Yeah, it's not something that would be easy or uh, would serve anybody watching to just for me to throw it out there because it takes a little bit of uh, time and practice. And yeah. it, I don't know if it would necessarily make sense just sure. as a quick, a quick uh, thing to do. I'll throw it hip thrusts. Anything that, and this is not on a, a neurological specific level. This is purely musculoskeletal, but the two big that I have, <clears throat> the two big postural imbalances are upper cross and lower cross syndrome. Upper crossed is basically just keyboard warrior. So back hunched forward, shoulders pulled forward, chest concave. And then lower mm-hmm. crossed is what you would think of sitting, either driving or sitting all day where your, uh, your butt and your hamstrings are pretty um, de-emphasized and all the emphasis is on your quads. So that gives you tilt a tilted pelvis and can lead to low back pain which i also have which doesn't help with the scoliosis so hip thrusts first thing in the morning tend to help me shift my butt back under my spine so it's a little more Mm -hmm. a little more direct and not as exaggerated and then any sort of pulling motion that's not pulling for weight but just moving your arms and shoulders back tends to just gently pull my shoulders back into alignment. So mm-hmm. that's in the morning. Those are just things that don't take any weight. You can do them with body weight and um, it tends to emphasize better posture for me at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the exercise in the DVD will be far more complex than those, but yeah, yeah, those tend to oh. help my, my big postural ones, especially for people driving. <clears throat> There's just driving is sitting in general, just wrecks everything in the hips quickly. Yeah. Oh, one, one comes to mind is uh, Jefferson curls. Jefferson mm. curls are really great 
for stretching out the hamstrings and really getting articulation in the spine, but it's not necessarily changing the neurological sailing right. that I was referring to, but the, I, I'm a big fan of Jefferson curls. That does come up a lot in, in the Pravilo video. People are like Jefferson curls for decompression. Oh. Can you explain Jefferson curls? Yeah. You're on an elevated platform and you're holding, um, you know, slight weight and you're going from a standing position and you're articulating each vertebrae all the way down to your full extension of your, um, let your leg, your hamstrings yeah. as much as possible. And then coming up one vertebrae at a time. Yeah. So it's articulating each vertebrae all the way up, all the way down, stretching out your hamstrings. Uh, I can get some great um, traction releases in my mm. upper back with those. They're they're yeah. extremely helpful. But it's not necessarily for addressing scoliosis. You're right. Well, that's great generally. Like Tai Chi and yoga both have their iterations of that. So Tai Chi, you do just that, not for the purpose of stretching, but to slow down and be able to feel your low back and then yoga has has their dead hang i don't remember what it's called in in sanskrit but <clears throat> same exact motion yeah sure everyone seems to see the benefit in that mm -hmm. all right we'll end that with the i think we got all the comments and um we're chatting with our city like we mentioned so we hopefully we'll be having a, a future podcast with the the man who brought Pravilo over to the U.S. since we have a ton of traction with that, pun intended. And uh, <laughs> right, we do have a ton of traction. Right. Uh, uh, I'm actually speaking with him on Friday. I sent oh, cool. him okay. uh, videos of yep. um, me on the Pravilo and the hardware on that. So he's going to give us some constructive feedback on getting that up to speed. Because what's really important uh, for our city is it looks professional, yes, um, and yes. it dispels any of the the weirdness that may have come mm -hmm. up on the um, the video that you sent out oh, there, yeah. where people go go off in the gutter in the weeds talking about yeah. what it what they think it might be based on their previous experience yeah. or their fear. Uh, yeah. So, well, as you can imagine, if you're if you're strapped all fours to something, yeah, people have some images uh, conjured. Sure. But again, with that, if you're in Western North Carolina, uh, we do Previlos on or Previlo on Friday morning. Uh, we have a men's session and a women's session just because the weight differences tend to be um, significant enough to split them up, and just because you have to lift your body weight off the ground towards the if you if you decide to do that, uh, great for deregulating or regulating your your nervous system and uh there's a sign up for that which i will put in the show notes for sovereignty lab just because spots are limited because it's only one previlo and mm -hmm. we generally go two rounds each and like we mentioned tuesday so today every tuesday uh oh when will you be live streaming um sistema and or physical reset is that uh, happens in march I had a conversation with AWA the other day, yeah. and we're going to look at uh, both A, B, and C roles of gotcha. live streaming video um, for the Physical Reset Circle and Sistema from Mandala Springs starting, I think he said, 
somewhere in, uh, around the 10th of March. So okay. we will know okay. as we get closer. He's uh, out in Hawaii yes. at the moment. He's got a gig out there. So he's uh, doing that. We've already uh, spoken with Rob over at uh, Mandala Springs. So he's he's got all the equipment that we need. So we're good to go as far as that goes. Perfect. It sounds like stay tuned, everyone, for updates if you want to do um, a lot of or follow along with uh, with certain movements. And the, the physical reset circle is is fantastic for um, finding, beginning to know yourself in your neurology through comfort. And that's that's a super useful skill that I've, I'm still trying to get out of the mentality of doing something to get out of pain. Mm -hmm. So stretching or any of that, it's a good good um pattern interrupt for for doing it through comfort and awareness yep cool. thanks for doing this bill we will chat again next week awesome thank you alex see everybody thanks, uh see everybody later